We're in this series, we're walking through the book of James, and today we come to a theme from the book of James. It's, it's a theme that James talks about often, and we're going to marry it with a, a person from the Old Testament. And the topic of today is about waiting. And James speaks a lot about patience and perseverance. It's a, it's a major theme of his whole book. And today we draw from the wisdom of James, and we weave it with the story of Joseph from the Old Testament, my favorite Old Testament character. Love this guy. Joseph was a man who learned a lot about waiting and perseverance, but not by choice. But first, why is waiting even worth focusing on? Like why are we pulling aside in this book of James to pull out this theme? What's so important about it, and what is it? I've said this before, but waiting is simply the space between where you are now and where you want to be. Waiting is the space between where you find yourself and the hopes you have for your life in the future. And those hopes can be any kind of hope. You, you know what they are. And so you know when you're in the waiting room of life. And we hate waiting rooms, don't we? The number one thing we hope for in the waiting room is to be done waiting. Waiting's no fun. In fact, sometimes it's excruciating. No one likes traffic, right? Or when the passes are closed, or when the lift line is long, or there's four people in the express lane, or, or, or whatever your circumstance may be that just gets you, I can't stand waiting. We don't like waiting. But today we're not just talking about, well, we're not talking about physical waiting rooms. We're talking about the areas of our life that are in limbo. We're talking about those places in our life that are on hold, where we are stuck in circumstances while desiring something more something else, where we have hope for a dream. We're talking about those times in our life where we are stuck in the waiting room and all we want is the delivery room. And in the delivery room of life, you get what you've been longing for. In the delivery room, you get the promotion, the promise, the, the check, the spouse, the freedom, whatever that thing might be, the healing that you are hoping for. The delivery room is breakthrough and the waiting room is agonizing as we wait for it. Because you never know. You never know how long you'll be in the waiting room. Some of you are in the waiting room and you've been in the waiting room in your life in certain areas for decades. And for some of us, it's ground the hope out of us. And today, one thing God wants you to do is to have the courage to pick up hope in some areas where you have dropped it. The Bible is full of encouragement about waiting because what life is full of waiting seasons. And Psalm 27 says this, I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, so wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. So what are you waiting for in life? Orchard, what are you waiting for? Deep down within you, what is the hope that you are holding out for? Think of it. Think of the areas right now that you have dreams still alive. In a room like this, there are many of us who are desperate for God to take us out of the waiting season and into what we've longed for. Some of us are just waiting to be free of what's holding us back, while others of us are waiting for what's ahead. 
But we are all in a waiting room in some area of our life, waiting for rescue and redemption and blessing. And James tells us over and over about patience and perseverance. He says this, wait patiently for God. You see farmers, they do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow and sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady, stay strong. That's easy to say. It's easy to read. But in the waiting room, our perseverance begins to break down. Today we look at the life of Joseph and we see him in Genesis. He's the youngest. He has 10 older brothers. He's 17 years old when we're introduced to him. He's the son of Jacob, a godly man. And Jacob, Jacob favors his son Joseph above all his other children. Joseph has the favor of his earthly father. And he's given a symbolic coat of many colors. And, Je- and Joseph has the, the favor of his heavenly father. And he's given um, a symbolic dreams. God gives Joseph visions and dreams for the future. The dream is that his brothers, his older brothers, will bow down before him. You had that dream before? Did you ever have a little brother or sister who thought they had that dream? God gives Joseph a divine purpose but he was 17 and so guess how he handles it well like a 17 year old he walks out he just tells his brothers and listen to this cool dream you guys guess what you're going to do someday and how do you think they received that you see he was idealistic he was young he was full of promise he was full of dreams and he was wrapped in his daddy's favor he didn't have a care man it's so fun to be like this young joseph so idealistic so full of promise and hope. And, you know, we begin life like that, and we begin every fresh start, every new season like that. When was the last time you had fresh hope in your life? Like fresh hope in your marriage, or fresh hope with your, with your kids, or in your future, or fresh hope for freedom from your vices? Orchard, where do you need fresh hope today? That's a, that's a dangerous question. Where do you need hope today? New hope surrounds all these fresh starts. And like a new romance, any of these areas in our life, at one time or another, has the glow of promise and butterflies in the tummy, you know? But that idealism, that new car smell in our hopes, it never quite sticks around. You know, every failed career started with high aspirations. Every difficult teenager was once a cute little baby. Every divorce started with with butterflies. Every moody and grumpy cat was once a cute kitten. And here we have Joseph. He has these dreams and promises. And Joseph's life is butterflies and kittens with the glow of promise of what's going to be. And as often happens, something or someone comes in and thwarts our hopes and dreams. And Joseph's brothers did not like him. They didn't see a favored son. They saw a kid with a silver spoon and a narcissistic delusions of grandeur. So they put him in his place, and they tore his coat of many co- uh, colors off of him. They ripped it and put blood on it so their dad would think he was dead. And they threw Joseph into a dry well, into a pit. And that's where we are now. The patience in the pit. When life circumstances go so wrong, you find yourself in these situations you never thought you would be in. Listen, Joseph had it all. A good family, hope for the future, peace in the present, and then train wreck. He was betrayed by those closest to him. He was off course. All seemed lost. It's, it's hard to be what you dreamed when life puts you in these kinds of places. 
Like, how do you get back to the life you think God has for you when you feel that far off and far gone? How do you remember God's promises when all you see is the pit that life seems to have put you in? And you've probably had seasons like this. I hope you're not in one now, but when things seem to be on track, when things are going right, and through decisions or circumstances, you find yourself in the dark pit of despair. And maybe it was somebody else who hurt you. Maybe they wounded you, impeded you, broke your heart and broke your dreams. Maybe it was your own bad decisions that took your life off the rails. And maybe it was circumstances that were just beyond your control. And for a season, like James, you dealt with the despair of a life in the pit. Or like Joseph. And James speaks on this. James in James 5 says, In suffering, take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything. They went through everything. They never once quit. They were all the time honoring God. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. I mean, you've heard of Job, right? Of Job's perseverance. And you know how God brought it all together for him in the end because God cares. God cares down to the last detail. There are times when life goes so wrong that all you can do is wait. When I was going through the hardest season of my life, just a breaking season, I told my dad, I said, I said, Dad, I want to be strong. I want to be a, war a warrior. I want to be courageous. I want to stand and fight in these hardships, even though it was more than I could bear. And my, my dad, knowing the storm I was facing, he said, Son, sometimes courage isn't standing and fighting. Sometimes being a warrior is courageously just waiting for God. And that's what we do in the pits of life. You wait. In the aftermath of a circumstance that has wrecked us, we wait. It was during that time in my life where I latched onto a verse that took deep root in my heart. And I want you to hear this. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. For some of you, that's all you needed today. Write that down on your paper and on your heart. This is what James challenges us with here. That the prophets went through trial after trial, yet they waited. And James calls us to persevere in the pit. And one of the problems with pits is it's not over when we're out of it. I mean, we've been there. You get out of a pit and then you have a, a hard path ahead, a hard process, a hard row. Joseph's brother, eventually they take him out of this pit, but it didn't get any easier for him. He was sold by his own brothers to an Egyptian slave trader. He went from daddy's favored son to a slave. A son gets affection. A slave gets affliction. And gone were the days of carefree laughing and love. Joseph, his life would never be the same again. This deep wounding in his childhood changed his trajectory. He's out of, the, out of the pit, but then he's sold to a rich Egyptian household and put to work. And, and that's what we do. That's what we do in life, right? Whatever life gives us, we get to work. When the life you've dreamed of seems a long way off, you just get to work and just do the best you can with what you got. And Joseph found himself working for a man named Potiphar. And while this wasn't the life that he had, he had planned or hoped for, and he still had a lot of despair, he had one thing that he clung to. It says, it says over and over in his story, and here in Genesis 39.2, it says this, while he was with Potiphar, but God was with Joseph. 
Joseph may have felt like he was a long way off God's path, but God was right there with him. And today, some of you might feel like you are a long way from God's path. You have no idea how far I've strayed and how many years it's been. God is with you. Joseph was working in Potiphar's house, and yet a servant slave is a long way from those dreams that he'd had as a kid. This was not what he wanted for his life. And we've all had jobs and careers we don't like, right? Yes. <laughs> some, some big amens out there. You hope your boss isn't in the room. I love my boss. <laughs> for some of us, we're not doing what we love. For others of us, we're, we're doing a job we loathe. And jo- James, James speaks to this, and he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres through the challenging test, and having stuck it out, that person's reward is life and, and more life. You know, James reminds us that persevering through these pressures and challenges leads us to God's life and what God calls us to. And we can trust God even in the worst and most drudgery of seasons and days. And as you trust God and find fulfillment in him, something begins to happen in these seasons. We are reminded that we have a divine purpose on this earth. And I'll tell you something. It's not to produce money. God calls us to something much bigger than that. The purpose of our life is to love God and love people in such a beautiful way that others are drawn to God. Your purpose is to be an agent of redemption on this planet. And I just want to tell you something. You can do that as a plumber, as a businesswoman, a mom, dad, student, builder, teacher. It doesn't matter. We get so concerned that we find the right job that we forget we're here to find lost souls. We get so caught up in our career, we forget that we have a calling. We get so caught up in the rat race, we lose sight of the saving grace that calls us and leads us. And we get so caught up with our employment when what God really cares about is our deployment. That he has deployed you at this time, in this place, to love God and love others. Now this doesn't mean that God won't call you to new opportunities. And if he calls, courageously step up. God loves people who are audaciously, they trust him with their work life. But James would remind us and have us remember that what's most important is your divine purpose. He reminds us to concern ourselves with what matters most, that God cares more about our character than our career. God wants us to love God and love people no matter what job, career, or place you find yourself in. And so Joseph persevered with patience, trusting God's plan. And then life threw him another curveball, one we all face. See, temptation comes out of nowhere, and here his boss's wife begins to pursue him for a sexual affair. And Joseph was, was called in this moment to persevere in purity. You know, giving in to temptation when everything seems so wrong and so lost is the easiest thing to do. We are at our weakest to temptation when life isn't going our our way. When we're low, our resolve is low. And we will do things in the dark nights of the soul that we don't do in the sun of joy and peace. And James speaks to this. James tells us, the New Testament, he knows that the temptation firsthand, he tells us to, to resist the devil, to wash our hands free from sin. He makes it clear to resist temptation. Again, in James 1.27, he reminds us that one of the main elements of authentic, true Christianity is keeping ourselves clean 
from the sin of the world. That real religion, the kind that God calls us to, guards against the corruption of sin. And I want to remind you, this isn't just about Joseph's situation and sexual purity. This is about our holiness. God cares about our holiness. God calls us to holiness. And Joseph trusted God's power for his purity the same way he trusted God's power for his promises. And Joseph knew that just because life had dishonored him, it didn't mean that he had to go dishonor God with his behavior. It says that Potiphar's wife propositioned him day after day, and Joseph continually avoided her and avoided sin. He knew what God called him to. He loved God. Listen to what he says. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You see, Joseph's commitment to holiness wasn't just a a thou shalt not. It was out of a love of God. Though his circumstances were, were, have gone way off the tracks, his love of God said, how could I do this? It seems that when everything goes wrong, we can still choose right out of our love for God. Well, Joseph avoided the temptation. He did it. He, he avoided the temptation of the boss's wife, but he wasn't rewarded for it. In fact, she accused him of rape and he ends up in jail. He does what's right and ends up in worse circumstances. At this point, Joseph has been to the pit, to Potiphar, and now he's in prison. In Genesis 39, it goes ahead and tells us once again, but while Joseph was there in prison, God was with him. His circumstances weren't going well, but God was with him. Have you ever wanted something that seems pretty normal in life to other people, and yet you seem to be forced into circumstances where you can't yet have it? You ever had one of those situations? I mean, you haven't done anything wrong to deserve the the waiting season, the prison season. Not that you can think of, but you're in a prison, a waiting season. These are those seasons where our circumstances trap us and hold us from the dreams, desires, and hopes that we want most. And James talks a lot about this. I preached in January a sermon about trials, and it was our most listened to sermon, almost by double than all the rest my podcast, because we all deal with trials. And what do we do in our problems? And here's his advice for us, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it a gift when trials and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance keeps going and produces great things in us. So don't try to get out of your trial prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. James reminds us that our trial, our prison, those circumstances that hold us back from our desires, they aren't a disaster. James tells us that our trials grow us, our prison season, that during those times, God's growing something in us that we're going to need for the future. But, But Joseph had no idea, did he? And you don't either, and I don't. When we're in these seasons that are so hard that just hold us back from what we want, God is building something in us. You know, there once was a farmer who had a dog. It was his favorite dog. He loved this dog, and he was out on the ranch, and he could not find it anywhere. And he looked. He called in the neighbors. He called in everybody, and they, he, they knew he loved his dog, and they came, and they helped him look. And they started hearing this strange barking out in a far field, and they got out there, and, and they couldn't find the dog. They could hear it, though. And they find, in a well, in an old, dry well, the dog was down at the bottom of the well, barking up. And they're all gathered around, half the town and this, and this farmer, and he goes back to the ranch house, he gets a shovel, and he gets, a, he gets some dirt. And everybody's like, well, he loves this dog. 
he really, he's, he's willing to dig down next to a, he really loves this dog. This is going to take forever. And he throws it in the well. Gets another scoop. Throws it in the well. And to the horror of the people, he's burying his dog. He's burying his dog. His dog's not even dead. I did not know he could act like this. Farmer kept going, throwing dirt. He knew his dog, loved his dog. He knew it was a clever dog. And he knew as the dirt went down on the dog's back, the dog would shake it off and step up. And all throughout the day, he dug. And all throughout the night. And it wasn't long until that dog was right there and he reached in and grabbed his dog. And it's amazing to me, the circumstances right now that you might believe are burying you, God is using to build you. There are places in your life that you think it is just unbearable that God's burying me. Life is burying me, but God is building in you in these seasons. You will not be ready for the calling tomorrow without the growing and persevering of today. The trial isn't here to stop you, it's here to strengthen you. These seasons of waiting, these trials, don't they last a lot longer than we'd hoped? Don't they always seem to last longer? Joseph remained in prison for years. And what's interesting to me is, it says God was with Joseph. Well, that's great, but why didn't God change his circumstance? Do you notice that? God was with Joseph, but didn't immediately change his circumstances. Say this, God didn't change his circumstances, but God changed Joseph. God is more interested in transforming our hearts than he is just solving our problems. If you were here when my son Elijah got baptized, it was pretty funny for you guys maybe. It was hard for me. He's, he's a young guy and he, he knows what it means to pray to receive Jesus and he wanted to get baptized so bad after that and I was like, buddy, let's wait till you're older and you can remember it. And, I, and he's like, daddy, no, I know God wants me to do this. And so you remember that day and I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen. We bring him up here. And we're over here, and the, the heater had gone out in the pool, the baptismal. And by the way, if you're in here and you ever are interested in baptism, please email or call the office, and we'll, we'll get you some information on that. And the heater works now. <laughs> I know my son. He does not do well with extreme temperatures. And the moment I felt it, I was like, oh, Lord. This is, and I, as a father, I want him to have, he has a vision, and it's, I want him to have it. And I was worried about him. And as soon as his feet went in, he walked up, and he had this whole thing planned out. He wouldn't tell Amy and I, and we're kind of nervous about what he's going to say, you know? And he gets up there, and he goes, I, I forgot. I can tell he's just distracted. This is not going to happen. I felt so bad for him. He starts walking out, and he stops at the last step before he steps out, and I say, buddy, you don't have to do this. No pressure from me or dad. It's up to you, between you and God. And if you were up here on this side, and you could see his face, he pauses and looks off for like three seconds. I'm watching him. He, we're all, the whole church is waiting to see what this little five-year-old's gonna do. And he goes, I'll do it. <laughs> okay. We, he, I walk him back down in there. He sits down. He speaks. I baptize him. We all go crazy. We get, it's a great story. On the way home, I say, Elijah. I said, buddy, what, what happened there? I watched your face. Something, what changed for you? Because I was cold. He said, Daddy, I heard God speak to me. What did he say? You can do it. And I said, you heard God tell you could do it, and then you just got in the cold water, and it didn't bother you? He goes, Daddy, the water wasn't cold after that. And I'll tell you this. Sometimes God changes the temperature of the water, 
But sometimes he changes the temperature of our heart and the water doesn't matter. See, God might not change your circumstances, but he can change our hearts in such a way that we live and see life differently. If your situation doesn't change, you still can. Joseph slaved away for Potiphar and spent time in prison, and this was a 13-year ordeal, much longer than he'd hoped. But through an amazing story, and I would go read this sometime on your own, Joseph gets out of prison, and due to God's favor, he stands before Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet. He stands there out of the jail in his rags before Pharaoh because Pharaoh has dreams he wants interpretations for, and they said there's a guy in prison that might be able to do it, and God gives Joseph wisdom, and he tells Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's so impressed, he puts Joseph in charge of the entire kingdom. There's only one person more powerful than Joseph, and it's Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, you got this? Good, because I'm, I'm out. So Joseph is left to control the nation. God gives him incredible success, God raised up Joseph at just the right time to bring redemption to many people. The 17-year-old arrogant Joseph wasn't ready for that calling, wasn't ready for that moment. The trajectory of Joseph's life is amazing. Oh, blessed kid with lots of favor, pit, Potiphar, prison, palace. God moved in his life all these different seasons, but we have to see without the preparation in the pit, there would be no Joseph in the palace. Without the perseverance with Potiphar, there'd be no Joseph in the palace. Without the perseverance and patience in prison circumstances and seasons, there'd be no Joseph in the palace. God grew Joseph exactly the way he needed for a greater calling than Joseph ever could have dreamed of when he was younger. Who's to say what past seasons of your life that you think are harmful or meaningless, God isn't using to build up in you for what's coming next? And if you're bold enough, God's going to call you at some point to step out and step away from the things you know. He's going to use the experiences of your past to build into you. God is preparing you for something. So now Joseph, governor of all of Pharaoh's nation, he goes on to have success. He goes on to have a lot more. He has a family of his own. And listen to what he names his children. One son he named Ephraim, and Joseph said, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God, is, God has given me fruit in, in the land of my suffering. The next one, his other son, Joseph named Manasseh, which means forget. And Joseph said, God has made me forget the trouble of my old life. Joseph, the kid with the troubled and tragic past, a past, if we're honest, if we knew a kid that went through this, it would be insurmountable. Taken in his youth, in and out of prison, gone through all these hard circumstances. I mean, even if he finds some sort of healthy personality balance, surely he'd always resent his older brothers who stole his life from him. And surely he would always have this hole of sadness from being taken away from the dad that loved him so much. His childhood was stolen from him. Yet when he has a son... His faith and his trust in God's redemption are so deep, he names his son Manasseh. Manasseh, God has taken the shame and the bitterness out of my past. God has removed the teeth, the fangs from my past. To a person, to a person who's been wounded like Joseph in our past, is there anything more beautiful? Orchard. I think you need some Manasseh in your life today. Maybe your past holds a lot of shame and, and bitterness and woundedness. 
And you can see your past. It's, it's been a source of shame for you, but God can grow up some Manessa and take the shame out of it. For some of us, we see what's been done to us in the past, and it's created a lot of anger and bitterness within us. But God births Manessa and takes out the pain of our past, and our heart that is full of bitterness can be transformed into peace and forgiveness. For some of us, there's guilt in our past for what we've done, the actions we've taken. And God wants to grow up Manessa so that we can see that our guilt is washed away in Jesus and we stand before God clean. Orchard, our God is the one who can give us fruitfulness and redemption in the land of our suffering, beyond our suffering. Despite your past, despite whatever pits, despite whatever path you've walked off of or down of, despite the circumstances that are holding you back or have held you back, you need to know that God is with you and he grows Manessa in your heart to take the poison out of your past. I realize that some of you here today, you have loved ones in the pit. You have loved ones in the, in the prison. You have prodigals who are trapped by their own vices and decisions. And I want you to remember today that God loves your prodigal more than you do. And he longs to bring them to a story with Manessa that they, the past no longer haunts them. And Ephraim, that they have fruitfulness despite all they've been through. Orchard, we have a father who loves us and brings us through the darkest of valleys and works all things, all hurts, all haunting past to his good and to our good for those who love him. James even says that in our darkness, he is the father of heavenly lights, the lights that guide us home. Many years later, Joseph is governor of Pharaoh, governor to Pharaoh, second in command of Egypt, in charge of the entire nation while it goes through a severe famine. Joseph guides Egypt through this hard time as he's amassed wisdom and prestige and power and a fortune. And day after day, people from far off lands, foreigners and nations and tribes come before him and ask him for food for their people. For Joseph... It's been a lifetime since he's seen his brothers. The last time he saw their faces and looked into their eyes, his vision was, was blurry with tears. His heart was racing with the panic of their betrayal. His voice was raw with the screams and pleads, please don't do this to me, please let me go back home. And over the past decades in those lonely nights in the pit and the prison, Joseph had gone through that moment a million times. When they bound him, when they stripped him, when they sold him to human traffickers, the nights he cried those, those bitter tears of betrayal, the nights he just wept from homesickness, missing his dear father's smile and embrace, but that was a lifetime ago. And here on this day, Joseph sits on a throne. And before him are ten foreigners. They don't recognize him. But he recognizes them. The last time he'd seen these ten, he had looked up to them. But now, now he looks down at a throne, and it's them who look up at Joseph with pleading eyes. These ten men look up at this Egyptian ruler in his Egyptian style and they pray in their hearts that he would help them and give them food for their tribe. 
They're desperate. Their father, Jacob, a good man, had sent them to meet this ruler and ask for help. The Bible says they bowed before him. Joseph reveals his identity, and the brothers are immediately taken back and frightened, and they beg for their lives because they know they don't deserve to live. And 17-year-old Jacob, he would have called in the guards and had them thrown in the deepest, darkest hole in all of Egypt for a taste of what he lost. But this Joseph, he has seen the work of God in his life. He's tasted God's redemption and grace at the darkest of times. And one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Joseph says this to his brothers. Well, you intended to harm me. God used for good to accomplish the saving of many lives. Hear me, Orchard. What the enemy, what your life What others have intended to harm you, God is using to accomplish good in you and in the lives of others through you. What the enemy decided that he would destroy you, God is using to to develop your character. These things that were sent to break us are just the fertilizer for our breakthrough. What the world intended to break you God is using to build you. The the circumstances that were supposed to make your your faith just fail, God is building and forging new faith for the future. Orchard, those things deep down within your past that haunt you, God brings them full circle to help others. And for some of us, it may be time to stop defining our lives based on our nightmares. Start defining our lives based on the dreams that he has for us. Because your past and your present condition is not your future calling. And God is using all that has been broken. And he's using all that is ugly. And all that has been lost and all that seems lost for your good, for his glory, and for good of others through you. What was intended to harm me, God has used for the good to accomplish the saving of many people. Orchard, today is a day to take grasp of hope once again. To take hope. In the pit, God is with you. In the drudgery with Potiphar, God's with you. In the prison, the waiting seasons where your dreams are far off, God is with you. God is with you in the sun, and God is with you in the darkness, and God is calling you to trust him. He's calling you to trust him more than you trust your circumstances. Even if they mock you, trust him. In Joseph's life, the pit, the prison, it didn't last forever. And for you, you can know that the waiting room doesn't last forever. They often last longer than we hoped, but there will come a day when there will be breakthrough. And on that day, you'll move from the waiting room to the deliverance room. And in Joseph's life, the dreams God placed in his heart as a youth, despite a lifetime of roadblocks and tragedy, Those promises came true at just the right time. Orchard, may we be a people who trust God when our past has wounded us. Orchard, may we be a people who trust God when our present feels unbearable. 
Orchard, may we be a people who trust God when our future seems impossible. Because, Orchard, there will, no matter what life brings at you, there will come a day when you will look life in the eye and you will say, what you intended to break me, God used for good and for the saving of many. Let's pray.